Hello and welcome back to the Conscious Contact Podcast. My name is Janae PV. I'm here with my co-host Susan Sanders. And I I think this episode is really important, um, honestly. And it is about getting back into recovery after a break, not after relapse. I don't have experience with that, so I don't feel comfortable talking. Same. Like giving experience, strength, and hope on that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, getting back into recovery or meetings or what have you after a break. Have you ever had to do this? Um, so the, there was co- the COVID break-ish mm-hmm. um, before a lot of meeting, like when meetings shut down in person and a lot of meetings, it took them a while to start up on Zoom. Um, so I call that a break because I was very discombobulated. Like all my whole schedule was blown Mm. out of the water. And then summer, uh, so then I kind of hit my stride and got back into that and, you know, picked remote meetings, whatever. But then the summer of 2020, I spent about six weeks in Indiana with my dad. He had a knee replacement surgery go really wrong. And, um... Basically, I moved in with him to to help him through that. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to leave him alone and go to meetings. And I just talked myself out of doing the Zoom thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's such a private, personal thing that I didn't want to, you know, just post up in the dining room and cry about how hard it was to be in Indiana (laughs) with my dad while I'm in Indiana with my dad. Um, So I do call that a break. Because it was, um, it was really it was hard and yeah. it was a, it was a change in my schedule that I had a hard time coming home and mm. reinserting myself. Mm-hmm. Cause again, the it's nefarious, <laughs> yeah, the whole landscape had changed. And even if meetings hadn't changed and whatever like that was the excuse that I used mm-hmm. oh well things aren't how I left them when last time I was in North Carolina <laughs> uh, that was the excuse that I used mm-hmm. and then realized I was using excuses Ooh. um yeah and then kind of went back to basics when we'll, we'll yes. talk about some of those in, in a little bit too so yeah what yeah. about you I think that that it that is that could be the whole episode go back to the basics <laughs> if you find yourself having been on a break intentionally or unintentionally yeah most of the time it's intentionally and you just don't know it <laughs> uh, you can have unconscious intentional yes intentionality yes yeah. No wonder I'm having trouble writing. I like that. <laughs> no, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I I had a period of time and it was early in sobriety and that was really scary. Um probably like ooh, 8 or 9 months in, um I had a moment where I wasn't wasn't jiving with my sponsor at that time. Um, and I, I just, because I just didn't like the meetings that she was telling me to go to, it was Mm. a lot of like young peoples and stuff like that. And spoiler alert, I'm not young in, in that sense. Like a young person's meeting is definitely geared towards a different group of people who got sober before I did at 27. Um, and it, cause it, it just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the thing that was keeping me out of meetings is the ones I was going to weren't for me anymore. Either I outgrew them or I just wasn't getting filled up. It was taking for me instead of giving to me. 
Right. Because there's different types of meetings. If you if you don't know, I'm not going to go into detail because that's like against a tradition, I feel like. But broadly, there was a lot of discussion meetings that I was going to. And those were necessary for me in the beginning. Like I, I had to do that because one, I didn't know what the program was. I didn't know what a meeting was. I didn't know any of that. That was there for me to learn and talk and blubber and all of that. But then at a certain point, I realized it wasn't helping me progress and it was making me not want to go to meetings. Yeah. The idea of going and knowing so-and-so is going to say this and then they're going to share that and then I'm going <laughs> to feel less than. This story again? Seriously? Yes. Yes. And then I had a couple of meetings. Um, that That's kind of later on and I'll talk about that. But yeah, so there was a period of time where I, the meetings that I used to go to weren't working for me anymore. So I was just like, well, I'm just not going to go to any of them then. <laughs> Instead of doing the intelligent thing and trying a different meeting out, you know, right. I was lucky. I switched sponsors and she immediately was like, how many meetings are you going to? What do you feel like after you leave? Do you have a literature study in there somewhere? Like she, mm -hmm. she was on it. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I'm not going to anything except for this one. She was like, that's probably not a good idea. Why don't you try going to more, yeah. you know? And then judge how you feel after that. Because that's what happened, too, is stopped going to meetings and then everything was fine. But then I started feeling like I used to feel mm -hmm. when I was drinking, like restless, irritable discontent. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> this is not okay. I haven't felt like this in sobriety and I'm freaking out. Yeah. Um, so I just upped, I upped my meetings. Again, it took someone, a new sponsor, looking me in the face and saying, you might not be doing enough. Like, you don't want to feel how you're currently feeling. Mm -hmm. Here's what I did when I felt that way. Why don't you try it out? Right. And I, I was willing enough to take that suggestion. That's the other piece, too. Because I I have not been that person just because God gifted me with the willingness to do whatever the person who has what I want tells me to try out. Mm -hmm. But I've had the experience with sponsoring people where they'll say they don't like how they feel I say I used to feel that way. Here's what here's a myriad, not just one suggestion. Here's all the things I did, right to to try to alleviate that. And this is this is what worked for me. Try one of those. And they're like, no, I'm good, basically. Right. Yes. And yep. Then I have nothing left to give them mm -hmm. because if they don't want to try what I did that worked for me, and they just want me to keep talking to them, then it's just me giving advice. Right. And that's not. I don't ever want to be that person because that one that's not okay two it's just going to be bullshit if it's not my own particular experience with it mm -hmm. that's what I'm going to know the most about and that's the only thing that I can confirm works right so that's all I you know need to be giving to somebody yeah <laughs> yeah that's why it's experience not advice exactly yeah yep yep well I want to take a second just to broaden a little bit to non-recovery mm -hmm. um Although there's a flavor of recovery in any sort of self-improvement that we want to do. So mm -hmm. how I would compare this is um, arguments I've had where people say, I don't exercise anymore because I, I went to this gym and it was just a bunch of platehead men that were oogling <laughs> me and I felt super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That is true. Mm -hmm. And it is also true that there are a bazillion jillion ways to exercise. Yep. It's the person that says... I tried to eat healthy, but every time I bring home all my gro you know, my every time I bring home healthy food, it goes bad too fast. Mm. So I can't eat healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So I liken that to say, I quit going to that meeting because this guy in that story and yeah, I didn't get anything out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is just a soapbox issue for my husband and I like, well, what are you doing to change the situation that you're in? Exactly. Yes. And our kids hate it because we're like, all right, you know, quit your bitching. Like, what are you doing to change it? Mm Mm-hmm. And this is some, some, I'm sure your sponsor has said the same thing. Like if you're in a meeting and it is going down the tubes and it's just everybody comparing their drunkenest moment, Mm -hmm. what are you doing to bring the meeting back to something that will work for you? And for me, what I try to do is bring it back to um, the literature, you know, what is in the AA approved literature or whatever your program might be. Yeah. So, for example, if church is not working for you because people have ruined your church, mm-hmm. going back to your source material. Yes. Yes. Your personal practice. Yeah, yeah. Your Bible, your Torah, whatever it might be. Yes. And talking to someone who is demonstrating the values that you want, whether it is yeah. a person who is dedicated to their exercise program, mm-hmm. not necessarily what they look like. No, that's the, the last is, thing. Yeah. The yeah. person is dedicated to their exercise program or the person that seems to be cooking meals that you want to be cooking. Yes. The person that has the sobriety program that you want. Yeah. What are they doing and how can you get more of that? Yes. Yeah. And I think a big part of coming back, I think there's two two pieces that I feel like kept me out or could have kept me out longer and that I see go on with other people is isolation mm-hmm. and having to crawl back from that um, and complacency. Yep. Like thinking, oh, well, I've been sober for this long now and I don't think about drinking anymore, so I don't need to go. Right. I don't need to work a program. Yeah. I'm good now. I'm going to tear up everybody that I meet. And Ooh, just, you I'm going to act like I used to when I was drinking. I'm just not going to drink. So I'll have no excuse anymore yes. for my, my behavior. And that is nasty territory. And I've gotten complacent before. And then I start acting like a bitch all the time. And I'm like, oh, no. Right. Oh, no. I can't blame it on the fact that I was wasted. It's just me being a bitch. And that's on me, you know. Yeah. Because at a certain point, it stops being about the drinking. The miracle of my personal experience with the program is that gets taken away from me. Mm-hmm. And then it's I get to learn how to live life like a human mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, deal with life on life's terms and deal with all the reasons why I drink and get rid of those. Mm-hmm. And if I stop going to meetings, if I stop working a program, I start thinking I'm God again. And I start giving myself credit for the life that I have. And I start thinking. My ideas are the best ideas. Yes. And like, I've got this and I don't, you know, look at me. I'm sober. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm not growing, I'm backsliding for just, I mean, that's my experience. If I'm not, not that I need to be like self-flagellating myself or like beating myself up all the time. But if I don't have something in mind that I'm working towards, either softening or working through or looking at even, Mm -hmm. um, or working with another person and upping my service work, if I'm not doing something like that, I'm going to be in a bad place pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And the isolation part, like, 
and this again like there's no advice in this episode i'm hoping that we're just only speaking from our personal experience and what has happened and yada 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 when i start isolating the only thing for me to do is just pick up the phone Mm-hmm. I have to have that as a knee-jerk reaction rather than, oh, I'm not going to call them because I don't want to bother them or I don't have anything to say or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that or was... they didn't answer last time, so why yes. bother? Oh, my God. Yes. I can come up with any excuse to isolate if I want to isolate. And I would suggest that that is your alcoholic mind coming up with yep. those excuses, not your recovery mind. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And I need some. I need to talk to someone so they can hold a mirror to that for me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it it is something that got drilled into my head when I first got sober is call me every day. Call other women in the program. I hate that so much. I told and I get it. <laughs> I hated it too and I argued about it all the time. But you know when shit hit the fan? Yep. And I and life happened instead of saying, "Oh, I'm not going to call them" and having all of those excuses. Yep. I had built this habit of just automatically picking up the phone and just dial a number. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like pick any of these contacts that have AA after the name. Right. And just call them until somebody answers, period. Right. And that saved my ass more times than I can count. And because of that, I now drill that into people that I sponsor's head because I will offer them my experience when shit hit the fan. If, if someone had not made me do this, if someone had not made me call them every mm-hmm. day and call other women in the program and have the ability to talk right. to God and know when I need to call someone, right. I wouldn't have and I would have eventually drank. Right. Period. Because it becomes a habit. Yes. These are the habits that I do yep. and then your habits become what your actions are. Yes. That didn't make much sense. But... Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm um, sure they do too. So one of the... I don't I don't even know where this comes from. If you always do what you always did, you I always get, get what, what always you always got. got. Yes. And I always think of that in terms yep. of you do shitty things, you're going to get shitty shit. Yeah. <laughs> However, the, the converse is also true. Mm-hmm. So the things that got us to this moment of sobriety, however many days we have, mm-hmm. if you always do those things, you'll always get this sobriety. Yes. You don't have to chase, you don't have to play catch up or come back right. or, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And therefore you'll always get what you've always got. Yes. If you always do that. Peace and serenity. Yeah. Right. So it's almost like a, an upward spiral. Yes. It that is. Just keep repeating these things. Mm-hmm. Now, keeping repeating these things doesn't mean everything is rosy. No. Mm-mm. And that is why I picked the word of the year is equanimity. Ooh. Because I can be. Someday I will be calm in the middle of that calamity. It doesn't Mm. mean that calamity is not going to enter my life. Right. But I'm not going to get sucked into that tizzy. Yes. I'm going to be here as a source of calmness while all that's going on. It is different from balance. Oh, yeah. Because it's not it's not that I'm separating myself from the calamity. Um, It is my ability to keep myself, my container that is just my body calm. Yes. And then the other thing that I was thinking when you were talking that I think is an important tool is the idea of yet. Mm. And this really rings true to me because I was a huge yet when I got sober. And I know we've talked about this, but for those of you that think um, you're not an alcoholic unless you've lost your, your spouse, your kids, your job, your car, your 
legal right to be out in the world, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're in jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any of that yet. yet. Yeah. Now, there are people who are like, well, I'm going to break from AA because fill in the blank. Yeah. I'm going to break from my recovery program because, you know, yeah. fill in the blank. But I haven't relapsed, so I'm fine. Mm. You Ooh. just haven't relapsed yet. yet. Yes. When you stop doing the th- my experience has been whether it's recovery, exercise, whatever. Yep. When I stop doing what got me here, I'm sl- I'm immediately starting my slide, and it can be yeah. super super slow. You don't even notice it. It could be years. Yes. It could be yes. years, and I I've had experience with people like that um, that have either been in my recovery circle or that mm-hmm. I've been on boards with or whatever. And man, I got chills uh, thinking about that. It is painful. Yeah, It's painful to watch. Um, it's painful to feel the small amounts that I've already felt of that. You know what I mean? I'm lucky I have, I used to have a high pain tolerance. Now I have a very low pain tolerance. So my knee jerk reaction is to dive back in whenever I'm like, uh-oh, Janae's being a bitch more than normal. <laughs> what what can yeah. I do more of? Um, but yeah, you can be dry for years and not drink. Yes. Yeah, so talk about that Ooh, a little bit. Um, being, yeah. a, being a dry drunk. <laughs> yeah. I mm-hmm. I do actually have experience with that. I've not ever relapsed, but I had dry time before I came into the program. So that's even worse. I didn't even have any program to like soften Realize. the dryness. Yeah. Um, and the dry means you're not drinking, but you're also not, not doing anything else. Actively recovering to restore because when you stop yeah. doing something it doesn't mean that sand doesn't keep falling in that pit yeah, yeah. unless you put something <laughs> fluffier than sand in the pit it will fill back in with a sludge yes and it was sludge it was two years of sludge um mm. I wasn't drinking but I was the worst version of myself that I'd ever been yeah. I was nasty I was more angry than normal I didn't even know I could get angrier but I did um it was gross it was gross. Um, it's the closest I've ever been to suicide. I mean, it was, it was horrendous. Like, mm-hmm. I took away, I quit taking my medicine that made me right. able to function in the world. Right. And did not replace it with anything. And that is what, what dry time is, is you're not drinking, but you're not constantly filling the hole that that leaves mm-hmm. with something else. Your higher power, the fellowship, the meeting, whatever you want to choose to put in there, the program your connection with something greater than yourself, you've lost that and you're just not drinking. Yeah. So you're just an empty wound walking around. Yeah. And I love that example of recovery activities, and I'm specifically uh, emphasizing action. Yes. That recovery activities being medicine. Mm -hmm. So I have asthma and every several years or so, every four or five years, I decide Let's do an experiment and try not to take my inhaler. Oh, like, God. I bet my asthma is cured. Mm. And I stop my inhaler and inevitably halfway up climbing some mountain somewhere in North Carolina, I go into respiratory distress and have to, you know, like <laughs> save myself on the side of a mountain without my inhaler. Yeah. Um, and a few times Paul's been like, are you looking for this? <laughs> I know you're trying to pretend you're not an asthmatic. Um, Damn, that's a good example. Right. Because what is wrong with being an asthmatic and taking right? an inhaler every day? Yes. It literally takes 
20 seconds a day, 10 yeah. in the morning, 10 in the afternoon. Yeah. Whatever. There's a financial outlay, whatever. It's fine. We have good insurance. We, we're, we're fine. Yes, yes, yes. So who do I think I am that yeah. I can decide I don't have asthma? Mm-hmm. Who do I think I am that I decide that I don't need my recovery activities? Yeah. yeah. I'm not willing to risk that. This, I just, if you listen to anything, listen to that. I I try, I yell this at, at people, not like screaming in their face, but I say it very emphatically. <laughs> if If someone says, well, I'm not really sure if I'm an alcoholic or I'm questioning if I'm an alcoholic because I haven't drank for such and such amount of time, I'm like, okay, first off, you're in AA, so you're not doing nothing. You didn't just quit. Like, right. no offense, but you, you didn't come to AA willingly. You wanted to keep drinking and you came here and then you haven't. So right. that wasn't you, whether you believe it's the program or the people or the whatever. Mm-hmm. Also, the whatever your understanding is. Exactly. You're with your um, asthma example. Would you rather go your whole life being healthy and having your inhaler and being fine and not dying right. or... <laughs> Risk it all on the chance you die. Right. Because that is, if you are an alcoholic, and I believe this, and it talks about it in the book, if you're an actual alcoholic, the choice is either recovery or death eventually. Mm -hmm. And I would rather, even if I'm not an alcoholic, I would rather blissfully believe that I am for the rest of my life and get this program and have the life that I live now Mm -hmm. than risk certain death because that's the path I was headed down. Right. I would I would rather act as if like that that risk is not even on a scale right. versus what would happen potentially if I drank again. Right. So and yeah. you know who doesn't question whether or not there's an alcohol they're an alcoholic? Non-alcoholics. So if you're thinking about it, <laughs> you probably are. Yeah. Or you should at least heavily investigate it. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's descriptions of the alcoholic in a book that you can find if you Google and it's very clear cut. Um, And if you answer yes to those questions, then you're an alcoholic. Welcome to the club. That that is the beginning of like the best promise that anyone could give anyone. If you're an alcoholic, like, yeah, that's going to suck to admit that. However, that means that you can have a life of recovery. Mm-hmm. That means that your life can change and it doesn't have to be this way forever. Yeah. It's it is the worst and the best thing that has ever happened to me. And much mm-hmm. now like looking back on it from where I sit now in my recovery, the worst part doesn't even play a part anymore. Mm. Like <laughs> it was horrible living that way. Right. So me finding out that I'm an alcoholic is nothing but good at this point. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because we have tools, actions, people to lean on. Yeah. And never having to figure out the answer is so freeing Mm -hmm. because as a perfectionist, am I recovering perfectionist yet? I don't know, but I'm going to keep working (laughs) on it. I never thought I had the right answer and I didn't because it was never working. Everything I did did not work. Yeah. But now I have dozens and dozens of people who can give me other suggestions or like in Greensboro, there are hundreds of opportunities each week to go meet with other people like me. Yeah. So if I'm saying, "Mm, you know, those aren't just working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. So in each time I go to a different gathering of people, 
it's a different group. Yeah. So each week there are different hundreds of opportunities to go. Yeah. So, you know, I just call bullshit when somebody says, I just haven't found a meeting that works for me. Yeah. I just haven't found my right crowd, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Well, you have stopped looking. I would say they're right. They, they haven't found. Exactly. Right. You got some legwork to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What an opportunity that there's low hanging fruit that you can yes. access. Yeah. There are stones to turn over. I think this is a good place to stop and talk a little bit about our sponsors today. So we talk a lot about recovery and living a recovered life on this podcast. And if you are one of us and you're looking for a way to better organize your recovery life, I was in the same boat. I searched Google and Etsy and found lots of awesome planners that had great quotes and pretty layouts, but nothing that had the true reminders of what I needed to do every day to continue on my recovery journey. So I made one. Renew Planner is a physical paper planner. No distractions from an app on your phone that you can easily close and then scroll on Instagram. It makes you be in the moment with, again, all those gentle reminders for all the things that help us to continue to live an organized, recovered life. Head on over to renewplanner.com and use the code PODCAST10 for $10 off your first planner. Hey, it's Susan. And I love the conversations Janae and I have each week talking about authentic connection. And it's very closely linked to what we talk about over at Sustainable Sue, which is where I help people create a life they don't need to escape by making small sustainable adjustments to what they already are doing in life. So over there, we have a weekly essay about all these kinds of topics. And if you'd like that delivered to your email, just come to sustainablesue.com slash join. Um, now, one thing we talked about before with getting out of the habit of things, and this happened to me when I got out of the, when I was on my break, mm -hmm. I really got out of the habit of it's Monday. This is where I go. It's Thursday morning. This is where I dial in. Yeah. And anytime I'm trying to engage it in a habit change, it really is a matter of breaking it down into small repeatable steps. Yes putting it in my calendar, setting timers for things. Yeah. So as I'm trying to, so when I was trying to get back into the regular habit of meetings, I would find one regular one I was trying to connect to and one new one. And so I would put that on my calendar. Here's my regular, here's my new. And then I had to take it a step further to be like, okay, so on Friday, I'm not planning next week, but I'm planning the week ahead because mm -hmm. I, I try to plan a, a week ahead. Um, I put in a reminder, pick two more. Yeah. Because what if I didn't like either thing that happened this week? I also have a day to remind me because lo and behold, I'd be like, oh, well, dang, it's been three weeks. Yep. And I forgot to pick a new one. Yes. That is just because life gets in life's way. Mm -hmm. Or I would say your recovery mind is being edged out by your alcoholic mind. So if you set yeah. yourself up for success with basic habit change principles, putting it in your calendar, adding a reminder, you know, whichever connects best with you. If you don't have your calendar on your smartphone anymore, putting it in your planner, you know, yes. whatever the reminder needs to be. Yeah. Um, Sticky note on your mirror in the bathroom. I mean, it <laughs> 
Right. You could, it might take five minutes to put every Friday on a paper calendar, put in pick meetings, pick meetings, pick meetings, or a reminder in your phone every day. I still have it, you know, five plus years to check in with my sponsor. I do that every day and I forget after five years, I forget. So it pops up as a reminder every night. Yeah. I I think that that's a, a huge part of it making it a priority no matter what and like getting back into it after a break doing what worked at the beginning Mm -hmm. I remember how all-consuming AA was when I first got in like I was going to a meeting every day I was Mm -hmm. calling my sponsor every multiple times a day every day I was working a step at, at somewhere on a step a a portion of a step every day. It was life or death. And as you get more into recovery, and again, like you, you soften and complacency sets in and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. everything's fine. I don't need to, if I start feeling bad or if I'm easing myself out or I'm isolating or if I've drifted away from AA, jumping back into it with that zeal and doing exactly what I used to do mm-hmm. will immediately give me relief. Yeah, there's just it's not possible for me to continue to feel exactly how I feel if I'm doing all of that stuff. And it does require making it a priority. And I, you know, like the oh, I forgot thing in the age of smartphones and the fact that you can write it on a piece of paper and stick it somewhere. I think that that's our addict brain. I agree. You didn't forget. It's not a priority. Mm-hmm. You know, or you got busy and you didn't set yourself up for success. Yeah. Because again, you just having the reminder in your phone, that's you making it a priority. Right. Like and when the reminder- just because you can't remember doesn't mean anything. It's yeah. you're doing what you need to do so that you do remember. You've seen that that is how you are and you've taken steps to mitigate that. Right. And that's coming from you. And you say your memory is bad all the time. Yes. So how are you working with... <laughs> If you know your tendencies, yeah, how are you working within those tendencies to make this a priority? Yeah, plan so it. If that goes a step further, when the reminder goes off, do you pick up your phone and do it? So when I see the reminder, yeah, do I dismiss it oh. or do I do it? Ooh. And if I haven't reached out to my sponsor, I'm certainly not going to dismiss that reminder. And then every time I pick it up to check Twitter, check Instagram, whatever, check what time is it is, can I go to can I go to bed? Mm-hmm. I'm seeing that I haven't done it yet. Yes. So there's that too. Like don't move that post-it from the mirror to the sink mm-hmm. until you've done that activity. Exactly. So that's where I want to be clear, you're forgetting could just be natural. You may have fried brain cells depending <laughs> yes. on where you are and whatever your recovery is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know that. And what are you doing about that? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, set your – that's the whole point of all of this is to make it work for you. Your program is your own. However, there are very basic things that we all do to get what the promises are stated for us. Yep. And that that is a huge deal. Like also – Get an accountability buddy, whether that's your sponsor or somebody Mm -hmm. else in the program. Mm -hmm. Having someone hold you to your own expectations for yourself is very powerful. Like telling your sponsor, hey, I need to check in with you every day. Mm -hmm. If I don't, text me the next day and say something snarky. Like 
Make it work for you. Don't say anything. Oh, (laughs) Susan. Yeah. Just tell, tell them whatever you need from them. Right. Because habit change is hard and you might need accountability, especially with isolation and recovery and how our brains work. Mm -hmm. If you need to get to a meeting, maybe have another newcomer say, hey, will you meet me at the 1030 meeting down the road on Tuesdays? Like, let's set that up as a date. We'll get coffee before or after or whatever. Yep. Set set that up for yourself to have some kind of accountability. Make it harder for you to not do the thing. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And one thing that really rings true for me because it scares the shit out of me is that uh, at any given moment, you're either moving away from your last drink or towards your next drink. Yep. And there is no sitting still. Complacency is not static. Complacency, it means you're moving towards your next drink. I don't want to take another one. Yes. Therefore, I need to do whatever, whatever it means to take me down the path away from that. Yeah. And, um, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought. That just is, is really frightening to me. That whole, either you're moving towards it or away from it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Healthy fear. Yes. That is like the one thing. Yeah. That's like Mm -hmm. the one healthy fear that I have is drinking because I know the first drink's not going to kill me, but it's every single one that I'm going to be forced to take after that because I am addicted to alcohol. Right. That's what's going to kill me. That's what's going to tear down the life that I live. Like if I drink again, this podcast goes bye-bye. You know what I mean? We're hoping that she doesn't. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, and I I love my life now. Yeah. I didn't love my life when I drank, and that's why I drank. You know? It didn't help. Obviously, it's not going to make my life any better. So I'm like, screw it. Let's just tear it all down. But that is the other thing. If you do drink again, like, we're not talking about that specifically, but even if you're just on a break, like, you haven't been to meetings in three months, and you're like, oh, I don't want to go because everyone's going to be like, where's she been? Or they're going to be shocked to see me or ask me what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. First off, we're all alcoholics. We're all selfish and self-centered. No one gives a shit where you've been most of the time. Like, not in a bad way, just in a, we are all obsessed with ourselves. They either didn't notice or they're just going to be happy to see you. Right. And when someone says, I'm so happy to see you. (laughs) Yes. Take it at face value. Yes. No, don't read into that, please. Because I've had people like not get angry with me, but they've like gotten an attitude with me when I've said that. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's not nice to see you. I don't know. (laughs) And let me, sorry, (laughs) let me float another scenario that let's use the example of someone's not been going to meetings for three months. Yeah. Let's say if I haven't been going to meetings in three months and I walk in and you say, it is so good to see you. Yes. How do I know that you also haven't been there in three months and you're just glad to be back seeing people? Exactly. You just don't know (laughs) where people are coming from. Yes. Assuming positive intent can go a long way. Yes. And honestly, I, I would... I would broadly, and this is like a big statement. This is just my personal experience. 98% of the interactions that I've had with people in AA are positive and they have had positive intent behind their words, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Like in a meeting before or after the meeting, not in like a separate fellowship area because I think that I can get kind of, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but with the like before, after or during a meeting, I've never had someone 
98%, I've not had someone approach me with ill intent mm-hmm. to judge me or to shame me. Like, I've never felt that. Yeah. Ever. And I go to a lot of women's meetings, too. So, I yeah. mean, that is kind of a different dynamic as well. But I have had yeah. someone approach me in a in a negative yeah, yeah, way. And I found also. out later that they had relapsed a month ago. So, that person was in the throes of their addiction. Yeah. I felt the heebie-jeebies, and I got myself out of that situation. Yeah. Talked to my sponsor about the heebie-jeebies, and she's like, yeah, well, here's actually what's happening. Yeah. So just stay away from that person. Yeah. And they could just – they could have either relapsed. They could not be – they could just be dry, right. and they've been gone, and they're angry and discontent. And also, you're entering a room full of alcoholics. Yeah. <laughs> like, we've all got a lot of We're all crazy. You know, we're all going there to be well. Right. So keeping that in mind, but genuinely, like if someone's coming at you and not saying something that on the very front looks aggressive or mean or nasty, why not assume the best intent? Right. You know, like that. And because I walk around the world, not aloof, but like I don't ever I don't really ever read into mm what what someone might think of what I'm saying to them when Mm -hmm. I know my own motivation right so when that person kind of got snarky with me when I said I was happy to see them like legitimately I said okay I guess I'm not happy to see you then yeah and then this same person is also like I've gone up to someone near them and said oh my god it's so good to see you and then they'll walk out of the corner and be like I guess it's not good to see me and I'm like I right I love you. I'm praying for you. Like what? I don't say that to them because you don't tell someone that you're praying for them unless like it's genuine and they've got something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know what I mean? I'm not going to say that if I don't want to have a rough interaction with someone that has just come out of the woodwork and said, I guess you're not having to see me. Yeah. And I have a visualization of like literally unhooking my thought from that person (laughs) as they walk away and float away. Yeah. Because... I know my first instinct is to just burn down that relationship. Oh, like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm waving my finger around for those of you that aren't on, on the video. Yeah. Um, I need and I don't want to do that anymore. Exactly. Like, why do I want to confirm their thoughts about me and my intentions? You know what I mean? Right. I need to still show up as the best version of myself. And prove yeah. to them, not like not like prove to them. That's not exactly what I mean. I want to be, be the an person, example. Yeah, I want to yes. be the person that my higher power has knows I can be. Yes, and the person that I say I am. I want to yes. show up as that. Yeah, I can't even imagine being the person my higher power thinks I can be. I'm That's like so, way aspirational. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> but we can har- try. The hardest part of my recovery so far has been making amends and dear god i am not going to make things worse and have to do more of them (laughs) right i can't tell you how many times i've thought (laughs) i need to shut my mouth because i do not want to go have to discuss it with my sponsor yes i think that that is lovely motivation for habit change and personality (laughs) change because old me if someone would have done that i would have been like you're right i'm not happy to see you with that attitude you're right Right. You know what I mean? Because like, that's my knee jerk reaction is to give you back what you're giving me. Mm -hmm. And that's not kind. Right. Like whether that's appropriate or not is left to be told. But that's not who 
my version of my higher power yes. wants people to interact with each other. Because right. if that person's, I know that person's hurting to be talking to me like that. Yeah. Like we're, we weren't just acquaintances. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I, I want to just hug them and just be like, what can I do for you? Yeah. See, I'm not <laughs> there yet. So, but I know <laughs> if I just detach myself from them and let mm-hmm. them float off. Just don't make it worse. Yeah. That gives me something to do in the pause. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than curse them in the pause. Oh, That's not yeah. helping me either. Yeah. The other thing I meant to say earlier that I forgot about is um, in all of my time drinking, I never forgot to get my supply in. Right. So if Play it in. is important <laughs> enough, yeah, I would suggest that you would set yourself up for success. Mm-hmm. So anytime there was a snowstorm coming, <laughs> yeah. Um, anytime I or knew, a Sunday, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, or Sunday before noon, or what you know, uh-huh. whatever it was going to be, yeah. I never, I never failed to set myself up for success for drinking. Yep. So I know I can set myself up for success for an active recovery program. Yes, and. Kind of kind of going back to previous episode of choosing your hard, either I'm choosing the hard thing of living my recovery program and doing the things I know I need to do, which may be hard sometimes if I'm feeling distance or I'm going through something mm-hmm. or whatever, or I'm choosing the hard of continuing to feel the way I feel because I'm not changing anything. Yes. And that's where we get the power back. That is the right use of our God-given power is to yep. take action steps to, you know, nothing changes if nothing changes. If you feel like crap and you're not taking anyone's suggestions on what to do to potentially feel better, what they've done to feel better when they feel like that, Mm -hmm. that's on you and you get to go have your pity party by yourself. And that is me being kind to you. Like if I, if I give you a million and one suggestions of what I did, if I give you, if I haven't had that experience and I give you phone numbers for women who have Mm -hmm. and you choose not to call them. Right. I'm going to say, you can keep calling me, but I have nothing left to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not your therapist. I'm not your life coach. That's not okay in this program. Right. right. I've told you my experience, strength and hope. I've given you opportunities to get it from other people. You still keep telling me you hate how you feel, but you're not willing to do anything. Mm-hmm. I'll pray for you and I hope you don't drink. Yeah. Like, and that, that is, that is such a fine line. And that is so hard. Like that tough love being kind versus being nice. Mm-hmm. Me being nice would keep would be in well, like a normie hurt, world. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Oh, that sounds hard, honey. You're right. You should just not go to meetings for another month and wallow in that and just call me and yeah. tell me how terrible it is. Well, and, it sounds like it's working for you. Yeah. So. And I will I will pose that question because it's always posed to me. Well, how's that working for you? Right. It's not. Okay, then. Well, why don't we take some suggestions, you know? And And the universe tapping you on the shoulder saying, shouldn't you get back to thus and such? Yeah. Is your higher power talking to you? Whether it is, shouldn't you get back to meetings? Mm -hmm. Shouldn't you get back to walking in the morning? Shouldn't you get back to calling a friend once a week? Remember how that felt? You felt connected with that? Yes. You know, the listen to the tap on the shoulder. Yes. Because, I mean, that is God. Whatever you choose to call that that feeling, that power, that's mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it is those tiny – and it's quiet. And you have to listen. Like, yeah. you have to lower your pain tolerance so that you can feel it earlier. 
yeah. in my case anyway. Because if not, I'll just let it keep going until I'm, you know, crying in a corner in a ball and not right. talking to anybody. Like, yeah. I I need to be aware enough of myself. And that means doing recovery stuff like prayer and meditation and talking to my sponsor, peeling right. that onion so that I know when shit has gone awry and I need to, like, turn my wheel back onto the road out of the ditch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is keeping it between the ditches. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you're at. Right. Like, it's great to be in the center because it. I love this analogy. If you are on the roof of a building and you are scared of falling off, just stand in the center. Right. Right. Like, that's how I feel about recovery. Like, it's, if you're right. in the middle of recovery – you're, there's no chance for you to fall off the sides. Mm-hmm. There just isn't because you've got so many checks and balances set up for yourself. Right. You've got support system and meetings and steps and your higher power and j- all of that. Right. It's almost foolproof. It's it's not easy by any means. Right. But it is there. It's it's there for us whenever we want to choose it again. Yes. Like you can always come back to it. It's always going to work how it used to work at the beginning if you do what yeah. you did then. Yeah. Yeah. You always do what you always did. You always get what you always got. Yes. Ugh, love Good. it. Well, any other thoughts on this topic before we move to our moment of joy? No. Just like, I don't know. I'm, I want to give people permission to like not have to have another bottom. Mm. Like, I want to give people permission to whether it's been a week or a year or multiple, like, you can just come back and it's going to be okay. Like, no one's going to care. No one's going to judge you. You don't have to start over. You're still going to have all of your lived experience. Like, it's just so good. You know what I mean? Like, if every day isn't, like, 0.5% better, we should talk, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> And we'll, we'll link some recovery. Um, like, if you have no idea what we're talking about, you want to check out the book that we've got. You've taken a quiz online at midnight. Um, we'll link some recovery websites and stuff below. So if you want help, it's it's there for you. It's available at any time. You just have to make the choice to, to go for it. Yep. Good. Yeah. Moment of joy for you. Yeah, this is going to turn take a superficial turn, but um I bet it isn't. <laughs> well, I think I've talked about the fact that I love fresh out of the laundry sheets. Ooh. Um but this week we bought new sheets, so we had fresh out of the laundry sheets that were brand new. Oh my god. And I had shaved my legs. I was like, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go to sleep. It's really smooth. <laughs> but it was just such a delight. And I think, you know, I think what you just said about the 0.5% better, sometimes it is those small things. I would say always. Yeah. But it's the acknowledgement of those small things. Feeling it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be the sheets. I can't, a billion times, not a billion. There have been dozens of times in my life where I've bought sheets. Yeah. But I can't tell you, I just really noticed it this time. Yeah. And I loved it. Oh my God. I just loved it. Those, I mean, that is a moment of joy. Like it's there for us to cultivate. Whenever we want, you know, and we can either choose to like lean into that and do it or not. And I'm, this is very odd. Mine is sheets as well. (laughs) It's It's so funny. Slightly different, but I, I love a good, like kitschy print, Mm. um, like patterned novelty fabric. So let me pause for a second Uh because people are like, oh my gosh, they agreed on something. 
My sheets are stark ass plain old white. <laughs> so, so these we're are not again. No, no, no. These are not on my going on my bed. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is planning for future future okay. Janae. My sheets on my bed are they're not white, but they are plain. <laughs> these are um, Christmas vacation illustration sheets. Wow. And they're they're covered. In every recognizable yep. piece from that movie, the dry, busted open turkey, the tree, the RV, the the Is moose this glasses. Not sleeping because you're looking at your sheets. No, these are not going on my bed. These these just came and they're going to get washed and put in a vacuum seal bag because okay. these are going to be for a guest bedroom in the oh, new house. Nice for Christmas, obviously, sure. just for December. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't put these on my guest bed all the time, lest people think I'm crazy. I mean. Maybe I will if it brings me joy, yeah. whatever. But yeah, it's I I ordered them forever ago and they've been on back order and I finally got them and I'm they're so I'll have to show them to you before you leave. Yeah. The illustrate one the illustrations are just so lovely. Like the style of yeah. it is is glorious. It's not just like a picture print on fabric. Okay. And that was that's available for me to cultivate, not just for myself, mm-hmm. but for people that stay in the guest bedroom yes. at my new house. Yes. Like pulling back the plain comforter and seeing these crazy sheets. Like right. I can only, because this has happened to me staying at other people's places. The joy that that brings me. The just, yeah. oh, look at what an unexpected gift. That's so funny because the sheets on my guest bed are also plain white. <laughs> <laughs> What are you going to do? That's I know easy to I clean. Am. Yes. Yeah. That's what, and that is what matters. Yes. Know who you are and cultivate joy from that place. Right. Like don't chase other people's joy because that's stupid. Don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> no. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well, we'd love to hear how this episode landed for you, whether or not you're in recovery. I think there's something for everyone because there's the thread of habit change that has run through this. So yes. Let us know what you think and if there's a situation that is not quite fitting that you want to help us brainstorm through, want us to help you brainstorm through, let us know. Yeah. I am at sustainablesue.com or I'm on Instagram at sustainable underscore sue. Yes. And I am at Janae Peavy. And if you want to join our book club, it the book we have chosen is amazing. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Go to ConsciousContactPodcast.com. You can join the book club there. Get all the details. Um, follow along with us. And if you want to take a sneak peek into what it is, uh, you can look up the hashtag CC Podcast Book Club and see our moments of shock and awe and uh, just <laughs> our, I mean, continual moments of joy yes. with the book because um, it's twisty and turning. It's lovely. So I love it. We'll see you over there and we'll talk to you next time.